Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Gentlemen, how are you? We're absolutely great. Doing great, Eric. Thank you. Before we hit the record button, Seth, you told me that we have a special podcast episode right now, and this is actually a story from one of your current clients. An amazing couple who defied all odds and really rock stars with private banking. These folks had effectively gone through a crippling experience in the last mortgage crisis and found themselves ultimately at zero. And they had bank accounts attached, they had foreclosures, they had judgments, and it just knocked them into left field. And that's about the time that, that they found private banking strategies and what they've done with it. And their story is one that you really don't want to miss. It's really a trust factor. They were literally grasping at straws, so to speak, just trying to figure out how to dig out. And they heard about me and he already knew Seth here though, from past experiences. And he literally did this on trust. to figure out what he might could do, but it made logical sense. And every, almost every single week, once he turned this thing on, guys, he would call me and he would say, I did this. I was able to finance this and I got this thing back. Well, and Vance, you're the per- perfect person to call, you know, to, to share that news with you. You are a tremendous advocate and you're so positive. And so I'm sure that he was very reinforced by those phone calls. Oh, it's just, just, it's very good success story, but we just, we have a lot of those, but here in particular is a a complete swing of the pendulum. And so we just want to share that with everybody. All right. Well, let's share it. Welcome everyone. This is Vance Lowe, Seth Hicks, and some special people that we've invited today, which are Bill and Amanda Chandler. These happen to two happen to be clients of ours. And we have an opportunity to hear a story that is not often told, but is repeated by many, many clients using a special strategy that banks don't want us to know. Seth Hicks here is my partner, legal counsel for our firm, so to speak, as well, and longtime friends with Chandler's as well. So Seth, why don't you give a little bit more formal introduction, and then we'll turn uh, over. And Bill and Amanda, we want to hear the story of what brought you into finding out about the infinite banking concept and what your trail was and a lot your life story as far as that part goes. So Seth, take it from here. Thanks, Vance. Thank you first, Bill and Amanda, for coming on with us and sharing your story with us. As Vance said, we've been friends a long time, Bill, and I've known your story and some of your journey along the way. And it's one that's absolutely stellar. I consider you guys rock stars 
in the private banking strategies world and just some folks that really take the strategies to heart and implement them for premium benefit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this was all handed to you. You weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you weren't didn't win the lottery. You've overcome a lot of things and that other people probably haven't overcome. And you've been able to do some things that other people should pay attention to and are is worth listening to. What life circumstances forced you into looking for an alternative? I don't know that we were really forced into looking to something or looking for something. I was having a conversation with another insurance agent that's a, just a personal friend of ours. And he happened to mention a book that sounded pretty intriguing to me. It was Nelson Nash's book. And after I think I bought the book either that night or the very next night, I read the book. And once I got into it, I couldn't put it down. And then after reading the book, I got on the internet and started looking for someone that I think the book calls it practitioner or, or certified, somebody, somebody that really knew the principles that I was learning in the book. Because everything I read in the book, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is this is a gold mine. This is just full of one uh, gold nugget after another. And I'm the kind of person that, I'm one of those strange people that when they read a book or they go to a seminar, or they listen to some kind of training, I'm, I'm just crazy enough to take action on what I hear, what I learn. And so I immediately started searching the internet for somebody that fit uh, the description of what they were talking about in the book here in the local area. And Vance, that's how I discovered you. And after discovering you, I, I did as much homework as I could on you on the internet. And after that, uh, I think we reached out and made an appointment. And a few days after that, we were in your office. As Seth said, we were coming out of just a financial catastrophe, if you will, because of some poor choices that we made, some poor partnerships that we got into as far as building houses along with at that same time. That was in 2008 and the housing market just completely crashed. And so along with that happening, as well as a business partnership that we had gotten involved in with someone that didn't operate with uh, very much integrity, that put us in a real, real bind. And after that, we started working our way back. So you were, you were building houses back in the mid-2000s and with quite successfully building houses, I might add. I've, I toured some of your homes. They were Tuscan Villa style, 5,000, 6,000 square foot pads that were nice builds. And you had uh, partnered with someone who was basically leveraging off of your financial credit worthiness. And then they became unable to pay subs and continue projects and left you basically holding the obligations to lenders and subs and everyone else that had been agreed to be paid. And he basically disappeared on you. And this was a friend. This was someone who had before that been very credit worthy, both reputation wise and in church circles and folks that you know. It wasn't to any discredit of your own, or any lack of integrity that you and Amanda had. Just want to clarify that. It was something that you got into in a business partnership, which sometimes happens, that created a lot of legal liability for you. Yeah, absolutely. In short, he was building the houses. We were qualifying for the financing. So actually, you know, the houses were in our name, the loans were in our name, and he was in charge of the construction projects. I come to find out he was robbing Peter to pay Paul and taking draws on one house to make his house, his own personal house payments. And oh, wow. you know, when the housing market crashed, all that came tumbling down and we got kind of left 
holding the bag. All the money had been drawn on. He had drawn out all the money. The house wasn't anywhere close <laughs> to being finished. And so we got up trying to trying to finish a house and then sell a house in a market when nobody was wanting to buy a million dollar house. And you found yourself looking down the barrel of multiple lawsuits that you didn't really have an answer for. Is that right? Yeah, we got sued by a couple of different contractors. One was a granite contractor. The other was a sheetrock contractor for tens of thousands of dollars worth of work. And I knew these guys. I'd seen them, met them. They understood the situation. They knew that the, the partner that we were working with, they knew what he had done. Um, and they were they were just kind of like, hey, Bill, I'm sorry. Man, I'm sorry. I know that this gentleman, he drew the money. He ran off with the money. But as far as from a legal standpoint, they can't sue him. They had to sue the person who owned the house or the person whose name the loan was in. And unfortunately, that was us. Um, he said, we don't want to sue you guys. We know that you didn't take the money. We know this other guy took the money. But from a legal standpoint, this is our only option to ever getting our money. And, you know, we got sued a couple of times, had a couple of judgments put against us, ended up the house getting foreclosed on because we couldn't, you know, it was about a five or $6,000 construction loan, five or $6,000 monthly payment. And uh, the bank foreclosed on that. One thing I did learn though, <laughs> anybody who might be in this situation, it's very important, never have your personal bank account at the same bank that you have your construction loan. Because if you do, when they foreclose, they can go in and take every last penny out of that account. And so literally that left us with zero pennies. Okay, there, there's a point, there's a point for our listeners to understand. Before you keep going, which I'm just absolutely interested in, Amanda, how were you feeling back then? It was a terrible experience. I was what, like, I don't know, 14 months pregnant with our first baby. I was very, very pregnant and did a lot of crying and knew that we had a really tough spot. So it was not enjoyable at all. We were borrowing money to buy groceries and it was not good. You literally woke up and had the bank basically wipe out your cash accounts at their yes. bank, right? Yes, and all of our assets were frozen. Everything was frozen. Oh. We didn't have any, no money. And because this gentleman had drawn all the money already from the construction loan, we maxed out all of our credit cards trying to finish mm -hmm. the house. So we not only did we not have any money in our bank account, we didn't have any more available credit to put things on credit cards. So when I said we were tapped out, we were tapped out. Yeah, because we were trying to finish the house to sell it. And so we had all of our credit cards maxed out. I don't even know how much credit card debt. It was six figures. Yeah, it was six figures for sure. So it was a very enjoyable time. She was actually <laughs> selling things on eBay from around the house just to put groceries on the table. I didn't know this at the time. And needless to say, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I've got I've got that kind of blood running in my veins. I'm not don't do well being an employee. But at that time, because the situation was so dire. I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I don't have several weeks to figure out what my next venture is going to mm -hmm. be. I've got to, I'm going to start making some money and I've got to start making it now. So I'm thinking, you know, what can I go do to start making, what can I do today so that I can come home today with some money? And I figured out, you know what, why don't I go see if I can get on driving a limousine? Because I thought I didn't have two weeks to wait even for a paycheck. Okay. If I start driving a limousine, I could probably start coming home every day with some tips. 
uh, in my pocket. And so that's in what I ended up doing. Wow. That's amazingly humbling. I mean, and that's part of my admiration for you guys to have picked yourself up, dusted yourselves off and come to a place where you're uh, enormously successful now. I mean, maybe you care to share some of the revenue generation that you've created, Bill, since that over the last decade and a half. But there's you're in the top 1% of Americans and what you've been able to accomplish. And before you start that, I think our listeners really need to understand the dire straits you were really in because some other people might find themselves. We always get knocked down. Yeah, life is a spir- an experience of what happens when you pick after you fall down, how you pick yourself up. And folks, what I'm trying to point out here is we're talking to two people that were able to pick themselves up, decided they weren't defeated, and now we're going to hear the comeback story. Which <laughs> is the best part? What happened next? Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. The Jungle Limousine for probably, what was it, just a couple of months at the most. I mean, I, I don't know that I could have kept doing it much longer than that because literally I told the told the guy that I went to work for, I said, I'll take every shift you got. And that meant when you pick up somebody that has a 6 a.m. flight, then obviously they have to be at the airport at about 4.30. And so that meant that I had to go pick up the limousine at about 3. And sometimes, you know, here in DFW, I may have to drive 30, 45 minutes to get the guy or woman and then 30, 45 minutes to the airport. So sometimes I would leave my house at 2.30 in the morning, 2.30, mm-hmm. 3 o'clock in the morning, wow. because I was taking every shift I got. If the, the last flight comes in at 9 or 10 o'clock, or they're going to a big a gala or, or some kind of an event at midnight, and sometimes I, I would work 20-plus hour days on a regular basis. And so I did that until I got, at least we were able to start paying our bills and start, you know, going to the grocery store. We were were able to stop selling things from around the house. And a friend of mine at the time mentioned to me that he was a builder also. And he mentioned that he was going to work for a roofing company. And he thought I ought to take a look at doing the same thing. I thought about it for, you know, just a few seconds and realized, well, instead of going to work for a roofing company, I've already got all the subs. I've got the experience. Why don't I just start a roofing company if this is such a great opportunity? And all I need to really learn is how to work with the insurance companies. Because here in the, you know, here in Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth area, hardly anybody gets their roof replaced unless it's been damaged by hail, which involves an insurance claim. So jumped on that opportunity and the first year we made, I think we made about $70,000, which coming off of where we were. That was, that was, we were living in high blessed, okay? Um, and we kept growing from there. That was in 2010. And now we've got an eight-figure roofing company. I also I teach roofing contractors across the country. You mentioned it earlier, Seth, or maybe you didn't. Maybe it was before we started filming. But I also, I've, I've got a coaching business called Rich Roofers where you know, I teach other roofing contractors how to market, how to run their business, how to just implement different systems that you need that we've learned along the way. And so uh, I guess things are kind of kind of full circle that, you know, as you guys mentioned, we're doing very well. We're very blessed. 
How did we get along that way line? You found the private banking strategy ideas and we got to talking. And what was really strange, not strange, but amazing to Vance Lowe was when you came in or when you talked about doing something, I was absolutely shocked that you did every single thing you said you were going to do. Usually people pick and choose, but when you set the system up and the strategy up, you actually followed through. You actually paid off things you borrowed really quickly. And right off the bat, there's a little more at play here. You're already a business person. You already know business and finance a little bit. And it, I think it's a team effort here. I think Amanda backing things up, knowing the financial side of things and getting bills paid. Tell us a little bit about how this, you felt like it helped you. Tell us that story a little bit. It's kind of like a watch. You look at a watch and, and you know it tells time. You have no idea what's going on under the face of the watch that makes, it, makes the watch tick. And so after reading the book, that I mentioned in finding you, I knew this was something that, that I was very interested in. I'm a contrarian thinker by heart. I've learned, if I've learned anything, I've learned that the crowd is usually always wrong. And so I, I'm always looking for a better, different way, a mousetrap, if you will. And so when we met you, I had no idea how to implement anything, had no idea even what pieces to implement. But Meeting with you, I think at that time, we, like most people, we still had a mortgage on our house. We had two vehicles that we had borrowed money on. We still had some credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Just the normal run-of-the-mill debt, I guess, that, that most Americans have. And you kind of laid out an eight-year plan, I think it was. You laid out a plan where you said within a very short period of time that we could be completely debt-free, that we could be capturing the benefit like banks do of something that I had never heard the term before, but I'm, I'm very familiar with it now called the velocity of money. Mm -hmm. I learned the difference between solely being focused on an interest rate versus the rate of interest, which that just kind of blew the top right off of my skull. And <laughs> you put together a plan for us. And again, I'm just one of those people that's just crazy enough to, when I learn something, if it makes sense to me, I'm going to follow the plan. Well, and I would like to add to that, Vance, that the first time we came and met with you, I was, because of the experience we had had with the partner, I was very nervous about the whole thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm like, we have a certain amount of money in the bank. Now, we had a bill set, a mortgage, car payments, all these different things, credit cards, and you were laying out this plan that really seemed unbelievable to me okay and i we got in the car and i'm like i'm not so sure that this is what we're going to do mm -hmm. because and i don't know if you remember this or not you may or may not because it's been so long ago but our first policy we talked about the amount we were going to put down and i, I was a nervous wreck over that since then i don't even know how many policies we've done and we have blown the blown it out as far as the amount of policies because we know it works but I just want to say that the very first time we did it, I was very nervous, very scared. And it was because of the experience I had with trusting people and understanding. I don't know, this all sounds really weird and strange to me, but it ended up being a huge, huge blessing in our lives. 
Well, in Vance, to your credit, you were very conservative with us. Yes, you were. Your recommendations. And I appreciated that. <laughs> your recommendations were extremely conservative to the point now that I'm a little angry with you. <laughs> we could be much farther down the road right now if you hadn't kind of kept such a tight rein on us. I'll take that criticism all day long because I would rather people not be backed in a corner that they can't get out of. And but now the door is open. So what I just heard Amanda say, and Bill, the two of you discovered, is that money started revolving. Mm -hmm. You started lending to yourself. I remember the first, it was a Hummer, right? You went to Colorado and bought a vehicle. You self-financed that. We pulled the money out of your bank, your policy, and you paid yourself back. And so to realize that that money can't, comes back, that you get to use it over again is just like the banks. Because if we don't get the money back, we have to reinvent it. We got to go earn it again. Mm -hmm. So here we are in a successful career. Now, a great idea that you pulled out, new money's coming in, but out the back door, we stopped losing all the money going out the back door. And so it starts revolving, doesn't it? Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. And so let me ask you this. Do you guys have any debt other than to your own private family bank anywhere? Let me say it. Zero. Zero debt. And how, how does that make you sleep at night? Or how does that make you feel? I am at such peace, Seth, because we are totally financially free. And it is so, I can't even put a word on it, really and truly. It is such a humongous weight that has been lifted. We don't have to eat. Money is not, and I, I know this sounds maybe a certain way, but money is not even an object. It's not a thought. It's not, we're not worried about it ever. We are at peace. We have lots of joy in our life, and we just feel extremely blessed from finding this tool for sure. And we're talking about the banking equation, taking back the banking equation. And when I say that you guys are rock stars in the private banking strategies, you have mastered being able to get multiple touches on the same dollar. And you've financed numerous acquisitions, personal vacation, but everything that you can basically touch and finance, you've implemented financing through your own private bank. Is that right? Yes, sir. Any purchase over a couple of thousand dollars, we run it through mm -hmm. our own bank. And thereby you're getting a you're getting a touch first by capitalizing your bank, secondly by pulling the money out and putting it to work in an investment or an asset that you need to get. And then you basically pay yourself back and refund your bank capitalization with that cycle and flow. Is that right? 
Yes, sir. And in that cycle, do you try to pay yourself a high return or a low return? Which do you do? If I'm the bank, would right. I have a higher interest rate than a lower interest rate? I just want to pull out for our listening audience out here, what we're talking about is I think everybody realizes that the banks always get the money back. Don't they spend it one time, the banks get it back. Here's living proof where we can end up with the money by implementing almost the same type of strategy. Absolutely. With, yeah, with evol revolving the money which you've pointed out before is called velocity of money, putting the money to work, getting a high interest rate. Now, on all this interest you've made on all of these loans, how much taxes have you had to pay? Zero. We better not publish that. <laughs> yeah. Don't let that get out. Because since it's your economy, since it's your program, You've decided you don't want to invite Uncle Sam for crying out loud. <laughs> okay, so most everything about this is all the buildup, all the earnings inside your private bank, the life insurance policies, all tax advantaged, right? Yeah. So Seth, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're talking about the pillars of private banking strategy. There's seven mm -hmm. pillars of private banking strategies. And you guys have mastered the velocity of money and getting multiple touches on the same dollar. And you've mastered the idea of allowing that, that private family bank you have to grow and compound tax-free and pay yourself a high interest rate rather than a low interest rate because all of the interest income and gains in that bank is tax-free. But here's the first pillar that I'd like to smash over the wall for the audience, and that is asset protection. That uh, the, these, th this private family bank structure that you have implemented is 100% asset protected by law. And the insurance code in Texas, it's section 1108, codifies and says, hey, these life insurance contracts are totally exempt from creditors and also the benefits that are paid to beneficiaries in the event of a passing, 100% tax-free and untouchable by creditors. So given that you went through the tornado a financial storm that you did in the mortgage crisis and with foreclosure and bank levies and attachments of cash assets. How does having your private bank capitalized and being 100% asset protected compare with the way you were doing things? And how do you feel about that? It's like night and day. If we had had this kind of a structure set up, you know, when we went through the challenge from the housing market, you know, needless to say, we all of our assets would have been protected. It really is. It's night and day to know that all of the assets that we have worked hard, that we've committed ourselves to building and to growing and to, to accumulating, to know that they are behind an impenetrable fortress is, is something that's very, very comforting. And you said early on in our conversations, asset protection didn't used to be a very big deal to me because I didn't have a whole lot of assets to protect. Now that I do, now that we do, it's very high on the priorities. And that's the difference because cash just sitting in a, a bank account at Wells Fargo or Bank of America, it's not asset protected from creditors or even like you said, that own bank taking your cash and wiping you out for some reason. But when you've got it in a private banking strategy, the law has already given us the right 
to totally protect it behind that vault. So there is no other comparable asset out there that has the asset protection by law that you've got in a private banking strategy. And not only that, when you go and you guys very real estate savvy, you've built homes, you've invested in real estate, you're around the real estate industry for the last 25 or plus years, Bill. And so now can you use your private bank to, to find your real estate and create any type of asset protection on real estate through your bank? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course we can. We can use our bank to finance investments, just like Bank of America, Chase Bank, any other bank. It's just we receive every benefit versus versus them receiving most of the benefit and us taking the risk. And you would obviously you'd collateralize a loan just like any other bank would and make sure that the bank gets paid first before anybody else. Correct. Absolutely. So if you go out and make an investment in real estate and you finance that through your own private bank, that real estate or has to enter into an agreement just like any other borrower does. It's just with your bank. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so if you, if, if you can be the bank and you can charge whatever interest rate you want and it's asset protected, it grows mm -hmm. tax free inside of your policy. It's financially private. You don't have to report anytime you're taking money in or out, do you? No. What other things have you come across that compare to this type of asset? Nothing. That's why we're, that's why when I, that's, you touched on a few of the benefits that really got my attention that caused me to, to set up an appointment with Vance after reading the book. And I'm a, I'm a student. I, I do my due diligence. Is there any other comments you want to make to our listeners out there? Any advice for them? One thing I would like to say is that I was, like I said earlier, the very first policy that we did, I was very nervous around it. And that after doing, practicing IBC, every bit of that is gone on even to our second policy that we did. The first policy we did was a smaller amount. The second policy we did, I said, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. So we did that with no hesitation. So once you get in the groove of it and you realize that it works and you start seeing all the benefits to it, then you do a second policy and you do, and then the next time you do another one, you're like, yeah, let's go again. You just keep getting bigger and better. There is nothing that compares to this really and truly. This has absolutely rocked our world, changed our lives for the better. And I would absolutely encourage everyone to take a look at it and to sit down with y'all, okay, and say, hey, just let me take a look at it. This has been a huge tool to our success, to where we are today, for sure. Yeah. And I would just say some people have the mindset, I don't make enough money to get started, or I don't, I don't have enough assets. We hear to, that a lot. To get started. And Vance, I, the words that I remember you saying to me more than once was, it doesn't matter how much money you've got. The most important thing is just to get started. You could literally get started with a very, very small amount of money. You could get started with millions. You could get started with thousands. It doesn't matter. The biggest leverage point that we all have when it comes to investing and in, banking is time. Anybody that might be considering entering into the, the private banking strategies world, do your homework. And certainly, I would highly recommend you talk to Vance, talk to Seth. And if you think it's right for you, then the most important thing is to just get started. 
I just want to thank you for your time, for your diligence, for your talent, for the things that you do, for the things that you teach us. I personally always say, and I think Seth will say the same thing, is Vance Lowe doesn't have any claim to fame. His clients have taught him everything he knows. <laughs> but together, we can learn. Together, we're more powerful. So thank you so much, everyone, for this opportunity. Wow. Gentlemen, I couldn't... When you said it was a fantastic story, it, you, that was understating it by far. Yeah, these folks really turned lemons into lemonade. And they're, they run an amazing business now, as we stated in the podcast. They're doing literally eight figures, gross annual mm. income, and they've just become stellar examples of how to use private banking. Well, Seth, I appreciate you sharing it. Vance, what can you say about this? I mean, I, I know what you're going to say about it, but put it into words for us. It's it's non-typical, but typical as, as far as the results go. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many zeros. You could literally start from poverty with nothing coming in. And in such a short time, by trusting in yourself, believing in yourself, and following some simple laws like they did, like we've outlined, the success is just there every single time. Thank you so much for sharing their story. Thank you to the couple. I know you're listening. Thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable to do that. And I just appreciate both of your guys' time today. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. You bet. bet. And of course, we always want to thank you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And this makes it really easy to share these podcasts with friends and family. And this is a great story to share. You, you got to get people listening to this and then make that decision. You know what? That'd be nice. That'd be nice to be able to either dig out or just start right now. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.